Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to our weekly podcast. We are back. Nothing is back. What? Nothing is back. I'm That's confused. us. We're the podcast about nothing, and we're back. That is true. Nothing is back. All ten people missed us, and I'm sure they're glad we're back. Well, Gracing the podcast airwaves. Juggling the life of a priest and a father of seven is not at all easy. <laughs> it does get busy from time to time, but uh, the good news is today we we're are. back and we have guests. We Cat is back in the studio, which Hey-o. is exciting, and we have Father Chris Dorsey, newly appointed at St. James Cathedral. Oh, poor thing. My condolences. <laughs> Hello, no, everyone. It's going to be wonderful. It's penance. Right? <laughs> Welcome to the cathedral. You have to go on Father Martin's podcast. Father Chris is a very dear friend who entered a year after I did in the seminary, but ended up ordaining a year before. But has been ordained twice as long as Father Martin. <laughs> there you go. He's so subdued today. <laughs> anyway, Chris, would you please say a few words to introduce yourself to our audience? I'm Father Chris. I just got assigned to St. James. I was at Holy Redeemer in Kissimmee and St. Rose of Lima in Poinciana for the last two years. Uh, I'm also a co... what is it called? Co-sponsee. Co-sponsored when I was in seminary. Now I am just a priest with both the Orlando Diocese and the Military Archdiocese. So uh, I am also a Army Reserve chaplain right now. Just think of him as like um, Captain America. There's Captain a n- America. There's a nerdy side, and then there's an awesome side. Well, what everyone really wants to know is what's your favorite color? Blue with green as a close second. Okay. Favorite food? Cookies. Any type. I'm non-discriminatory. Equal oh, opportunity good. towards cookies. Excellent. Very. I very just good. feel dumber. And what did you have for lunch today? Um, I had chicken. What kind of chicken? <laughs> That's so generic. Uh, it was, was it just, steamed chicken? See, but uh, you're trying to buy time. <laughs> no <Nope>. Microwave chicken. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, but Father Chris. There's a reason that Father Chris is here today. Yeah. and uh, Because we actually have a topic. We do. We do have a topic. What's it called? Well, I sent you the topics a week and a half ago. You seemed excited. That was at a the time. week and a half ago. I know. <laughs> Our topic today, coincidentally or not, is uh, the Archdiocese of the Military. Oh. Which makes me think not coincidentally. It was not coincidentally. <laughs> But coincidentally planned. We actually had this on the calendar months ago before we even knew you were coming to the cathedral. I couldn't so. even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> so Father Chris, as you mentioned, is a chaplain for uh, the Army and was sponsored uh, at seminary by the Diocese of Orlando and the Archdiocese of the Military. Um, and so tell us a little bit about the Archdiocese because a lot of people don't even know that it exists. So the Archdiocese for Military Services is a special diocese that where most dioceses are in a location. Uh, The archdiocese is anywhere that a member of the military and also the Catholic Church is. That they are uh, in charge of the care of souls of all the military, Catholic military personnel. And so they kind of coordinate priests and uh, the sacraments. They're the go-to spot if you were baptized at a military base and need to get your baptism certificate and don't know where to go, they're the place to go. Nice. And where are they based? Uh, Their actual physical location is up in Washington, D.C., but uh, they have not only the Archbishop Rolio, but they've got, I think, four 
auxiliary bishops that kind of split up the whole world in terms of uh, doing confirmations and different things right. like that. So that's one of the biggest dioceses. It is in the, the biggest world. diocese in the world. Archdiocese. Archdiocese. <laughs> right. By souls, actually, uh, by people, and then not just that because of the area. So the sun never, as you mentioned, the sun never sets on the archdiocese of the military. It does not. Now, what inspired you in the first place to, um, to join the archdiocese of military? Well, I grew up in a military family from, uh, well, my grandfather was military, but he was retired by the time I was born. But my father was a, uh Air Force navigator. So the whole time I was growing up, it was kind of move every two to three years. Uh, born, see, born in Washington State, lived California, Alabama, California, Virginia, and Florida, um, <laughs> which you get really good at spilling off. Any military brat can tell you. Right. Um, it's a tough question when people say, where are you from? But, <laughs> uh So I grew up kind of on, around military bases, and a lot of times the chapel on uh, base was the church we would attend, and it was military chaplains who were there. Wow. So tell me, it just, I mean, kind of curious. So when you, you mentioned your grandfather, now, did he serve in the Army as well? Or was he in the uh, Air Force? I believe my grandfather was Army. It's, Army. Uh, it was before, really, so I... it just runs uh, in the blood. Yeah. So when you, when you went through this process, did you first, like, head down to the recruiter? Or did uh, you know you wanted to be a priest first? No, it's... Uh, if I honest, in all honesty, if I wasn't doing it in the chaplaincy, I probably never would have joined the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I felt the call to priesthood, that was my primary call to be a priest. Uh, so entered seminary, and I, really, I didn't know I could do anything about it until uh, after seminary. But then, in seminary, I met a guy, um, Ryan Boyle, who was already kind of he had been in the Air Force, and then entered seminary and already had this thing going on with the military archdiocese and that's why i'm like what you can do that you can do both <laughs> and so uh i asked um was still bishop wensky at the time well through the vocation director mm-hmm. if he would be open to me doing it i figured it was really good timing because on the off chance he said no i also knew we were right about to get a new bishop <laughs> and i could ask again <laughs> uh, planning that planning. was very very smart of him strategic planning obedience is very important but you know, that's true. Different now, people have different answers. Well, the Chris said that his primary vocation is the vocation to the priesthood, uh, before the chaplaincy, before the army. So, just share with us a little bit about your vocation story. Would you, uh, you're a graduate of um, UCF? I am. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of priests that you talk to are like, "Yeah, I was four years old and saying the mass." No. That was me. Uh, yeah, Father Martin may have been that holy. He's five now. Not sure what happened, <laughs> and a, but um, and three quarters. <laughs> I uh, I was not that kid. I never wanted to be a priest growing up. You know, I I went to mass with my family. Uh, I priests were okay people, um, but I never wanted to be one. Uh, my plans were either e- even through college were to, uh, either be a veterinarian or a field biologist, the type of people who go out to rainforests and live out there for years at a time and get to study the cool animals that you just see on like the discovery channel (laughs) but uh so i went to uh ucf for that and it wasn't too long into being at ucf that i really started uh feeling the call it was kind of just this little voice in me that said what about being a priest which i promptly said nope uh i planned out what i want to do it's not that so I'm going to I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm going to stay on that path. Um that obviously didn't work out for me in the long run. 
But for about two and a half years, I studied biology. I was happy doing it. I had girlfriends. I actually joined a fraternity there. I pretty much the regular college life, but uh, still regularly attending mass and all at the same time. But more and more, that little thought kept popping up of what about being a priest? And eventually, I'm like, well, if this isn't coming from me, I kind of have to look at where it is coming from. There's not too many options if it's not coming from me and it's calling you to be a priest and it's not other people in my life saying, hey, you'd be a good priest. So uh, pretty quickly I figured out probably coming from God, had to decide, well, what does that mean then? And said, well, it probably means God wants me to be a priest, but I'm not quite (laughs) ready to say that yet. And so uh, I kind of looked at life. I'm like, still want to get the college degree just in case. But at the same time, this is probably what God wants. So Priests don't exactly use biology every day, so I have a lot of really hard classes. So I made it through organic chem 2, but I knew I'd still have (laughs) chem 2 coming, which I'm not a big chemistry guy. said, you know what? I think I could also be really happy being like an English teacher or an editor or writer. (laughs) So I'm going to switch over to English, and if I become a priest, they'd probably use that a lot more. Uh, But I also would have a fallback in case I am crazy and it is just a voice in my head. Um, so I switched over to English, still graduated in uh, the u- usual four-year college. Uh, not a lot of overlap, but crammed my schedule full. And turned out that still felt that call at the end and entered the seminary. Wow, that's awesome. Yep, he was really good uh, in editing my papers in the seminary. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, yes. <laughs> Proofreading my <laughs> Edited paper. a lot of people's paper in seminary. Hey, you know, help. We help each other. <laughs> that's true. And... Uh, Talking about the Archdiocese of military, so you do have to go on regular training pretty often. Would you mind sharing, like, what is the, what's that like? So and while I was still in seminary, actually, is kind of where it starts, because that's where, as we said, I was co-sponsored, which means both the Orlando Diocese and military Archdiocese, and I helped pay my way through seminary. I also joined what's called the Chaplain Candidate Program, which is separate. That's through the military itself, and you can begin training while you're still in school. And so while I was still in seminary, I did uh, it's called Chibolic, Chaplain's Basic Officer Leadership Course. And there it's pretty much basic training for chaplains. It's not quite as bad, I won't lie and say, oh, I went through everything that the basic training people went through because you do come in as an officer and sergeants don't get to yell as much at officers, which I'm not complaining <laughs> about. However, it was still uh, 5 o'clock formation, you know, getting up, doing physical training every morning, Still got to do, uh, go through the gas chamber, do land navigation. There's a lot more classroom stuff in the chaplain's side of things because uh, you got to learn to also be an officer. Pretty much you do most everything in basic training except weapons training, but then there's also officer and chaplain-specific stuff as well. And every day is a little bit, uh, you realize is a little bit like one of the bad jokes you hear because you're standing in line for the bathroom and it's, Catholic priest, a Baptist minister, and a Buddhist monk are standing in line for the bathroom because <laughs> all the chaplains train together. It's all the faiths there together. My battle buddy, who uh, battle buddy, obviously we don't battle much, but uh, the is someone you're supposed to know everything about. You're supposed to know where they are. You're supposed to know about their life. My battle buddy was a former Buddhist monk uh, who moved from Thailand to America and was going to be a Buddhist chaplain. Uh, and so he uh, he and I got to be pretty good friends and uh, got to learn a lot about him. But 
we were considered the endangered species of our class, that there's not near enough either Buddhist or Catholic chaplains, so everyone else was kind of told, make sure they make it. <laughs> That's nice. Wow. And that, my dear people, why I am not in the military. Five o'clock formation, training, running. No, you're not tall enough. That's why you're not in the military. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Actually, that too, my battle fact, buddy was shorter than him. Really? <laughs> and, and then I almost died running like three miles on a treadmill. Oh, so. my gosh. Well, you know, the irony is, though, you mentioned that Catholic priests are an endangered species. But um, I was reading, doing some, doing some background research. Uh, that a quarter of the people who serve in the military um, identify as Catholic, which is a pretty large number. Yeah, no, it's the people in the military, Catholics are not endangered. It's uh, unfortunately those priests coming in that we know right now, it's it's changing as uh, vocations are up f- towards the priesthood, but all across our country, we could use some more priests, and that's even sure. more so in the military. Is the military doesn't have any priests of its own. It relies on other bishops letting the military archdiocese borrow their priests for a while. And not only does it need borrowed priests, they have to be priests who are able to meet the physical mental demands of the military. And so it's kind of lowers that number again, and then hopefully the priests are willing to go themselves. So uh, when you take all that down and have to supply Army, Navy, and Air Force, uh, the Marines and the uh, Coast Guard both get their chaplains from the, from the Navy. Navy. Right. But uh, it's last I knew, and this might have changed because this was a few years ago, but each branch had, uh, give or take, 100 Catholic chaplains. Whoa, which is not very many. Like each one, <coughs> Army 100, yeah. Navy. Not a whole lot for the territory of the whole world. Well, even considering all the, I mean, all the different places where our men and women are are fighting around the world, particularly with all the, the armed conflict that's still going on. That's that's a pretty low ratio. Yeah, and, you know, it's a place that we're very much needed is not only are they going through the same struggles that any, you know, the majority of people, especially in the Army, are, are young, like 18-year-old, 18 to 21-year-olds who are already dealing with a lot in their life and phys- figuring out where they are spiritually and who they are spiritually uh, but they're also dealing with those relationships with money problems, and then sometimes they deal with those problems from thousands of miles away from home, and they they need kind of the support there that the church can give them. So, yeah, I mean, I can only you know getting ready to go into battle. It'd be nice to get confession in before you, you know, yeah. maybe Holy Communion too would be nice. So not for you, not for you. Well, well, I meant death if is I one of those awesome times that you can get absolution without confession. That's so. true. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's fascinating. Well, I was one of the other things that I thought was kind of interesting is that that the archdiocese isn't actually that old. It was actually uh, formed by uh, Pope Saint John Paul II um, in 1986. I don't know if you knew that. Out of the out of New York, it was originally the job of the Bishop of New York. Yeah, that basically they figured out that they couldn't. It needed to be its own entity. Yeah, and I didn't know the exact details there. I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah, but, no, uh, I was fascinated. Well, we started and I was looking at the topic and I'm like, well, how long has this been around? And and it wasn't until 1917, as they were shipping Americans, um, it was New York, because that's where they were shipping all of the soldiers off to go to war in Europe in the First World War, that they decided that the, uh, that the Archdiocese of New York would be responsible for it. Um, and then it was uh, originally the guy who helped get the transition out of New York into the Archdiocese now was a former rear admiral, uh, and he was, he was the head of the chaplaincy in the military. So it's a fantastic, it's an amazing history of Catholic chaplains serving in the military um, going back even as far as the Civil War. Did you know the term chaplain actually comes from 
a Catholic from group? From the, the gas? <laughs> right. Does Father Martin know why? No. <laughs> we like to quiz him. Give because, it. well, it comes from a, uh, a Martin. Uh, what can I say? A Martin of Tours. <laughs> You're that, welcome. Uh, uh, his, he is known for when he was a soldier, uh, when he was coming into his city, he saw a beggar who was cold, needed clothing, and so he cut his cape in half and gave it to him. Uh, that cape in Latin, I guess Latin, is capone, yes, capone, which when you take a few hundred years and merge in English, goes to chaplain. That's fascinating. Well, I did not know that. I know, I mean, I know about St. Martin the Tours, but, uh, oh, wow. Cool. Hey. I learned something new today. That's right. That's our job, really, on these podcasts, is for you yeah. to learn something. That's why when we, that's just the two of us, we don't learn anything. <laughs> I don't think anybody learns anything, but we give it our best shot. So, so no, but that's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating because, because really, in a sense that, you know, as a priest, you're taking care of, of, of souls and you're responsible for, for the souls within your, your parish boundaries, really, as a parish priest. But we think about the archdiocese of the military, those are, you're serving the people who are serving us. Like serving the servers, and I mean, it's, it's pretty unique ministry as well because you're not only a Catholic priest. As a chaplain, your job is everybody. to take care of all the soldiers, and yeah. if that means that they are Buddhist and need something for Buddhism, if I can't supply it, then I need to find another chaplain or another sure. person who's able to give them their spiritual needs as well. That's amazing. And I think put things in perspective a lot because and we're so caught up in our world, but there is so much more out there. The needs are so great that we all can make a little bit of difference, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, I was one of the other things I found that was kind of interesting is, uh, I guess his father, Cappadano. Father uh, Vincent Cappadano. Yeah, they yep. just sent all of his stuff uh, to the Vatican. Uh, he was in he's, Vietnam. He was, he, right? I, I think so, yeah. Right. But they're sending him to the congregation for the cause of saints. Another so. step yep. to uh, sainthood. Sainthood, yeah. They yeah. just appreci- uh, approved that, and the archbishop who was here at your ordination two years ago. He was. Archbishop Brolio was here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Father Capadano has a really cool story of um, known as the Grunt Padre. He was th- with the Marines. And uh, basically, I mean, his whole life, obviously, is fantastic. You don't get put forward to be a saint if you were just, like, a mediocre life and then awesome death. But um, <laughs> the... Spectac- <laughs> His life was terrible. His death was spectacular. <laughs> but uh, for kind life. of his last moments, if I'm remembering everything correctly, was, uh, you know, he got caught in a battle with uh, his his unit, the, the troops he was with, and uh, were really, as chaplains, most of the time they tell us, stay away from the front lines because you're not carrying a weapon. We do get... Uh, and I can only speak for the Army is what I know really well, but we get what are called chaplain assistants, which the best way I like to describe them to Catholics is altar servers with machine guns. Nice. That, uh, they help us with ministry. <laughs> they help bring people in. They help so, a little I bit with one. counseling. But uh, when it comes down to any danger, their job is to protect the chaplain. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, if chaplains are at the front lines, people are going to be worried about keeping that crazy chaplain alive who's running around without a weapon and not keeping themselves alive which is what we want them to do. Right. Um, but Father Capadano found himself uh, there at the front lines and uh, began running out to give uh, the wounded last rites and to drag them to safety. Uh, while doing so, he was hit by some shrapnel, which I believe wounded one of his arms, uh, And but he was managed to be kind of brought back to safety where they patched him up and told him, stay here. He did not stay there. 
ran back out, continued his work, where he was hit by more shrapnel, uh, I believe from a mortar, which uh, took out a good chunk of his other arm, uh, his hand yeah. that uh, apparently was partially severed. But uh, they brought him back, patched him up, stay here. Uh, did not stay there. Uh, went back out and saw a soldier who was uh, about to be uh, shot by a machine gun nest and took uh, covered that soldier with his body. Unfortunately, they both died, but uh, gave his life trying to protect another. And a beautiful account of one's living down one's life or and friend. Huh? Not only was he recognized by the church for this, but uh, he also has the Congressional Medal of Honor. Wow. Which well, there are more Catholic chaplains with uh, the Medal of Honor than any other denomination uh, chaplain. Wow. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I just brought him out because it was such a, a fascinating story. And um, to have him come, you know, a saint, uh, someone to be sent for the congregation for the cause of sainthood coming out specifically the military and you mentioned a couple of times that chaplains don't carry weapons mm-hmm. because you're not authorized to well so. it's we're not authorized but it's also i mean one it's part of our message is right but uh two is you know when we're in conflicts that follow the rules which albeit this one is not so much one of them but uh because chaplains are in fully non-combatants one, nobody is supposed to shoot at us. Right. But two is it goes so far as to uh, if captured, uh, they're supposed to have the choice of whether they go with those men who are captured to minister to them or say, nope, let me go and uh, be released to your own uh, men. Yeah, that's the, the wonderful again. Geneva Conventions. I don't know yep. if you knew about that. Yeah. And actually, if you're interested in that, uh, another Medal of Honor winning Catholic chaplain who I believe is also uh, up for not as far along as uh, Father Vincent Capadano, but uh, Father Capon is another. He's who, in uh, Korea. He was, he in, was Korea. in Korea and, yeah, was captured. And really, uh, it's wonderful ministry within the uh, prisoner of war camp. I learned so much today. Cool. Yeah. I know. It's an amazing story. It's And it's so little known. Um, but you guys in, in the Archdiocese of the military are doing s- such good work and so necessary um, and so important. So, you know, it's, we need obviously need more chaplains. So pray for more chaplains. Pray for vocations. Pray for more vocations. Pray for the soldiers, the men and, and women who are out there and uh, putting their lives on the line to really help keep our country a place where we can practice our religion with, uh, with safety and freedom. Absolutely, and we also want to thank Father Chris for uh, the willingness to open his heart, not only to answer the priesthood, but to answer to another noble call, which is to give his life for the military services as well. And so a tip of hat from his brother here, and we wish you all the best in your ministry at the cathedral. We promise that you will walk out here, uh, I think, well. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and then soon Father Chris will also be deployed uh, where we don't know yet, but uh, that's the, I guess that's the pact that the bishops made, right? Basically, uh, the way that co-sponsorship works is after ordination, your first three years, you are with your home diocese, uh, preferably in the reserve at that time, as I'm currently serving, one week and a month, and then one month there's a two-week obligation as well. And then after those three years, you go full active for at least five. Uh, That's what's coming up in another year for me, and they'll send me wherever they need me for the next five years. Past that time, if I feel called to continue, I can ask the two bishops. 
If they give the go-ahead, you can continue serving. If I've said, it's been wonderful, but I'm out, then I come right back here to Orlando. But no matter what, when my time with the military is over, Orlando is my home, and I'll return here. Wow. So That's say a amazing. prayer for Father Chris and all the chaplains, all the men and women who serve in the military for what they do and the sacrifices that they make. All right, folks. Absolutely. And thank you, Father Chris, for coming My on. My pleasure. It's that been was great. So, you know, we get him into the cathedral for two days and then drag him over to the studio. It's great. It's cool. actually kind of nice to be back in the studio as much as I've enjoyed being in the dungeon. Oh, I feel so sophisticated. We don't get to sit as close to each other as we do in the dungeon. Oh, which... please stop. Please <laughs> stop. <laughs> thank uh, you, Father Chris. All right. All the very best for all of you, and may you have a blessed week. Amen. God bless. FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.